What do you hear in Sean Marshall's voice on The Greatest? I think that to at least the naked ear, it's somber, but it's a kind of somber tone that has a slight pitch of triumph. I always talk about how sadness is not just sadness or how no emotion is just one single thing. And oftentimes, at least for me, with grief or with sadness, there's kind of a undercurrent of what comes after. So it is somber, but it's also a kind of hope for what rests beyond the somberness. That's Hanif Abdurraqib. He's an author, poet, and journalist. In 2006, when The Greatest came out, Cat Power was already an indie icon. It was her seventh record. She was a decade into her career. The Greatest was a triumph. It was her crossover out of indie rock. Being backed by the legendary Memphis Rhythm Band had effectively canonized her. But her live shows had become infamous. She sometimes struggled to finish them and had breakdowns on stage. Her pain was public and had become a defining part of her image. Do you think if you couldn't hear so much of that struggle or you couldn't witness what you heard in her voice, do you think her work would be as resonant? No, I think seeing the person unraveling and attempting to reconstruct themselves informs the album. Um, To actually go to these shows and to see Sean Marshall struggling, but still kind of sometimes at least persevering through the struggle to give the best possible performance that she could, it did feel very much in line with this idea around conquering over some grand foe, even if that foe is the self. People talk about how a band or a record can save your life. But some records go further. They can teach you how to survive. The piece you're about to hear is a letter. And it's about how an album can work its way inside of your life. You know, I I think if an artist is interested in continued excavation for the sake of themselves first and not the people who might be listening, then at some point a darkness has to be hit. And I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of, and I don't think that is something that should turn fans off to listening. But there is a slight difference between feeling like you are on the sidelines and then feeling like you're in the interior of someone's life. I'm Jessica Hopper. I'm from KCRW. This is Lost Notes. Today's episode, to Sean Marshall from Hanif Abdurraqib. Stick around. Introducing the KCRW Donation Car, designed to be recycled. This first-of-its-kind vehicle will save you time, space, and hassle by disappearing. Enjoy the luxury and comfort of turning your underused car into a donation worth hundreds, even thousands of dollars. The KCRW Donation Car, already in your garage, driveway, or on cinder blocks outside your house. Act now at kcrw.com cars.
Sean, in the dream I had the night before the album's release, and still have sometimes, you are stumbling drunk into a church in Memphis. In the dream, you can't see Al Green yet, but I can. He's sitting at a piano, and he's wearing all white. He's singing your cover of Satisfaction, the one from 1999, where you took out the chorus and turned the song into a slow anthem for loneliness. And in the dream, you collapse in a church pew near the back, directly under the pastel-stained glass, which is leaking a healing light onto your face. And in the dream, Al Green walks from the piano, but the song doesn't stop. And he stands over you and asks to take your hand, and you do. And then he dances with you to your own sad song. And then his band marches in off of the streets and you touch your fingers to their horns and their guitars and in the dream Al Green asks you to pray with him and you do and he prays for his band to be good enough for you Sean he prays to God that his band will show you the way out of whatever hopelessness had latched itself to you he prays that you will take his old band and make the greatest album of all time There was a year I slept on a borrowed mattress, pushed against a wall with chipped paint. It was a year I spent whatever loose cash I could find on shows, even if I went to bed with a stomach echoing and hollow. It was a year my old friends became my new apathies, and I drifted, drifted, and drifted. In this year, I saw you on the night of the breakdown, Sean. Or the night of the first of many breakdowns. The night you began shaking on stage and had to sit among the crowd, not playing any songs, before you calmed down. I saw you outside of the venue that night, crying and trembling in an alley. I know the language that took over you that night, Sean. Sometimes I wake up and I can't breathe. Sometimes I sit on the floor and try to remember the words to songs that haven't escaped me in a moment of panic, just until my heart calms down. Look what this world has done to us. I don't blame you for taking whatever you had to take in your body in order to forget. 
I don't blame you for showing up drunk and two hours late in Arizona on a day where I thought I couldn't even make it outside myself. I don't blame you for doing whatever it takes to make the waking hours less hell, and I wish I could do the same most days. That whole album really gets to me. The feeling about it makes me want to go back into my past and remembering times when I felt like that. I feel like I'm trying to be in tune with her, what she might be feeling. The cover of The Greatest has two gold boxing gloves on it, dangling from a gold chain. And I got it. I understood. You were Ali then. But you were the Ali who took all of Foreman's best licks. The Ali people thought could not take out Fraser and Manila. The one who people thought had nothing left to give. And yet, here you were, sleeping on a couch in the music video for Lived in Bars, with Ali's boxing robe draped over your body before you woke up and stretched your arms, ready to fight again. Sean, I love Lived in Bars most because I have been there, loud and unashamed of all my heathen friends, hoping that we might still be granted entry into the kingdom despite our sins. In the music video, you are briefly in what looks like a church, sitting at a piano in all white. And I know that I was not dreaming this time when I saw you kiss the face of Teeny Hodges on a bench, or when I saw Teeny dancing with his brother, who was holding a trumpet and wearing two wide and white angel wings spreading from his back. I was working in a professional job, and I was balancing my professional life and taking care of my kids. And I remember that music was just like this little tiny kernel of goodness that I could hold on for myself. There's something about it that's just so wistful and ambitious. And uh, I don't know, it just really felt like a secret message from someone else to me. My little secret. The way people talk about recovery as triumph is all wrong. Recovery from anything, from substance or sadness, from love or from loss, or from the constant understanding that people live in mad times with nothing to offer but more madness. I appreciate a stumbling forward. To recover from anything is a mess and one that no one is equipped to do well. Boxers sometimes say there is a part of every fight where the adrenaline wears off and they become distinctly aware of the violence's impact on their bodies. It isn't the same for all fighters, of course. For some, it isn't until the middle rounds. A punch lands on the jaw and the reminder exists that the body is not permanent. Somewhere, outside of the excitement one gets running towards what feels like immortality, is the memory of all the things that make us mortal, all the things that make our time here worth all of the failures it thrusts upon us. I was 15, and <laughs> I was sneaking out of uh, my parents' house at night, and I, I took their car. I didn't have a driver's license yet, so I snuck out one night to see uh, 
this girl that I was friends with, we, we weren't even together. We were in a relationship, but we were just best friends. But I snuck to her house. She snuck out. And all we did was walk around your neighborhood. And at some point in the night, she played a song for me. And there's not a time that I listen to that song. And I, I don't think of uh, that summer and us uh, sitting there in the grass in that warm California night listening to Cat Powers, The Greatest. I love you for The Greatest, Sean. I love that it is an unholy album made with holy methods. It is an album of the self splitting into many other selves, and all of them trying to get out of bed and go another round with whatever waits outside. It snowed in Columbus, Ohio, on the day your album dropped, Sean, and I threw my windows open and let the cold come in while your voice filled the room. breakup and so her her lyrics and her music really helped me get through that situation cat power has just basically transformed my life what she's gone through and how much strength she has is so empowering to me There is no way to shake the devil loose once he gets a hold of us. In some season, we're all villains. And some seasons last longer than others. Sean, what I love about the South is that in the right places, away from all the monuments and war tributes, you can see the echoes packing themselves in the air. It is the perfect place to sing and be heard back by an ancestor you did not know you had. And so, of course, Memphis, with Reverend Al's blessing, is where you went to shed a vice or two. I needed to hear the sound of you willing to live a little bit longer. And I still need to hear it now, on the days when going outside feels like you perhaps felt when you had to drag these songs out of the South and play them in front of audiences who were just waiting for you to collapse in front of their eyes again. I was a waitress in a cafe, I think I was like 17, and I noticed all of these women who worked in the kitchen of the cafe that I was at, they would put it on and a few of them were like going through breakups and they were obviously just like trying to work out like what do I want? And it asks you like to reconsider who you are and what and your values and like what it is, what is it that you want? Where is my love? When you had the breakdown, right after the album dropped, I thought you wouldn't make it out. I thought you would be in that psych ward in Miami for years without ever knowing how much the world loved this album 
This album that you drove yourself in your madness to make. An album that you wanted to make for your mother and grandmother. And don't we all want to show the women who have carried us here that we finally made good? been 10 years, and I want to sit across from you and ask if getting out of bed has become any easier since you did away with the drinking. If the anxiety was only a temporary nightmare, and now you've seen the light. I want to lay with your record on the floor of a church somewhere south of where we were both born. I want to press my ear to stained glass while the last notes of islands spill out of some old speakers. And I want to see if I can hear the church speaking back. Like in the dream I still have sometimes, where you and Al Green both lift each other from some shared wreckage and walk to a river's edge, everything above you swaying. To Sean Marshall was written by Hanif Abdurraqib. Where do you think Sean Marshall lands after The Greatest? What's interesting to me about, and of course I don't know her personally, so I can't say, but I think what's interesting about The Greatest that I kind of like a lot is that I think Sean Marshall lands only very slightly ahead of where she was when she began making the album. Not musically, right? Not like from a creative standpoint, no. But from what appeared to be a personal standpoint. You know, she had to cut the tour short and all that and kind of um, recuperate and rehabilitate herself. And so I think there's some fascination in that, this album that is sort of about triumph but does not have the beautiful and kind of neatly wrapped ending that people desire. And to have that not be achieved in the neat and beautifully packaged way that people perhaps desire it, I think, is is something that makes this album kind of unique. Well, and also I think her career, too, she is someone who, you know, all but resists that that clean narrative arc and that, um, you know, perfect uh, sort of redemption and triumph and all the things that you sort of want. I mean, as you, as you say in the piece, you know, you call her a fighter. And I think that's a part of her story that sometimes gets lost. Yeah, I do too. And I and I think it is romantic to want for a musician to struggle, but so many people I think want to see the fruits of that struggle because even in struggle, the American imagination remains obsessed with production, right? And so it's this whole concept around well, if you're going to struggle publicly, there has to be some art that comes out of it that that can be appreciated. Um or it's, or it's not worthwhile. The struggle is not worthwhile, right? So even struggle is lensed through production, which pulls away from the very human aspect of, of struggle. 
I mean, I think the other part of that too is that I think part of the reason sometimes as fans, people can want to read that into it, read the, uh, you know, that there's a there's a reason for the struggle, is it makes it feel like we're maybe um, not complicit and we're not sort of, uh, it kind of takes the ookiness out of it that we're consuming somebody else's pain and finding our own pleasure of sorts, you know, that we're, that we're using someone else's pain sometimes for entertainment. You know, I think that sometimes that detachment is just uh, kind of the unspoken thing that we have to do you know, to, to maybe right. not, to not fully come in contact with the depths that an artist is taking us to. Yeah. Which I think is super interesting because fandom in its, well, I, or, or it's always, I think fandom has always been so viscerally personal. The, 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 the person, the fan wraps himself up in the aesthetics and in the trappings of the musician they love but it's a difference between knowing and loving someone's work and then knowing and loving a person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the former can be imagined into the latter. But to know and love a person is to have a very real personal stake in their lives that a lot of famous musicians are just not going to allow their fans to have, right? Rightfully so. And you know, I think reckoning with that has been difficult for me as a music fan and, and difficult for maybe a lot of people as a music fan, as someone who felt like I grew up with deep personal connections to music and the people making it to the point where, I mean, even that, that resonates now, I think all the time about how devastated I was when Prince died because it felt like losing a person who had shepherded me through parts of my life. Same with Fife Dog, same with Whitney Houston. I imagine it will be very much the same with Bruce Springsteen if I outlive Bruce Springsteen, which who knows at this point, but I'm very invested in examining how fandom feels personal, but there's still a wide divide. Hanif Abdurraqib is an author, poet, and journalist. His most recent book is called Go Ahead in the Rain, Notes to a Tribe Called Quest. This episode was produced by Mike Dodge Weisskopf and Paulina Velasco. Hanif and I will be talking in person at KCRW with DJ Ann Litt. It's happening on May 13th, and we're going to share the albums that saved our lives. If you want to RSVP for that, go to kcrw.com slash events. Thanks to Michael Catano for his help. Special thanks to all the callers and concert goers who contributed their personal anecdotes and to the producers who went out to the concerts for us, Michelle Macklem in Melbourne, Australia, and Nancy Rosenbaum in Minneapolis. Share your favorite Cat Power memories with us using the hashtag Lost Notes. Lost Notes is produced by Mike Dodge Weisskopf. Paulina Velasco is our associate producer. The executive producer for this season is me, Jessica Hopper. The creator and executive producer of Lost Notes is Nick White. The show is made with the support of KCRW's independent producer project. KCRW.com slash Lost Notes is our website. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, please, and thank you. And also tell two of your friends about the show. I'm Jessica Hopper. Until next time.